0: Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. While well, Jay Cox here, I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by Forty Strategy, Forty Strategies Built, to make strategy work for small to medium-sized businesses and organizations by designing world-class strategic plans, but more importantly, keeping them accountable to actually get it done. To learn more, go to 40strategy.com. We are really excited. We have just launched the Captain Strategy course. That is a group-oriented session that you may have read in our Lost at CEO principles that we use, the seven key principles to help create that strategic plan that will actually work. It's in a mastermind type format. I encourage you to go out to learn more about that. So go to 40strategy.com. And we'd like to thank uh, and our shout out here to Stephen Pemberton. He has been amazing. He's brought in a ton of incredible guests. Steven, thank you so much for your incredible support of the Measure of Success podcast. With that, I'd like to introduce Scott White, Scott White is the life is too short guy, and he's the happiest guy you will ever meet. After spending over a decade in investment banking on Wall Street, he took a chance, became an entrepreneur and business builder. Today, he's chairman and CEO of a public real estate company. He's always looking for his next challenge and has completed an Ironman triathlon, and he's actually done 15 marathons. He's on a mission now to make the world happier one smile at a time. You'll see today on this podcast. He has endless energy. He motivates and inspires everyone he meets to focus on happiness, gratefulness, and positivity. Scott, welcome to the Measure Success podcast.
1: Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me, Carl.
0: Absolutely. So, this is always one of interesting things because you have this interesting story. Because you have this core life of being in top of a publicly traded real estate company, and then you also are trying to spread the message about being happy, right? And, and, and really taking a difference world. So let's, let's first for the fun part, let's, let's talk about your quote unquote day job, right? Now, you, you've done a lot of different things. You, you were in wall street banking, you got into, the, how did in the heck did you get into become a CEO of a, of a real estate company? And what has that experience
1: been like? You know, like so much in life, it's twists and turns. You you mentioned before, I've done 15 marathons and I always say to people, I think careers in life are like marathons. You don't always know what's behind the next corner. It's it's there isn't a sprint. It takes time. It evolves. And when I think about my career marathon, so to speak, I could have never imagined it and I could have never entirely planned for it. I, I graduated uh, so I did a, a joint BA and MBA at Rutgers uh, a long time ago. And then I was thinking about going to law school. And you know, having done the, the joint program, I, I knew I needed a little bit of a break. I went and worked at Pricewaterhouse for two years. I did uh, just under two years, just enough for me to become a, a CPA. In fact, I, I banked a couple of vacation days to make it the two years. And then I decided to go back to law school. And Having already done the accounting thing and then going into law school, I thought I'd practice law. And, and again, life takes twists and turns. I met some people along my law school journey that introduced me to an investment bank. I'm like, huh, that's kind of cool. Let, let me learn more about that. Let me take the, the accounting skills and the business school skills, the legal skills. And I never actually practiced law. I, I graduated. I took the New York and New Jersey bars the last Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of July. And then- the following Monday, I had four days off or three days off, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Monday, I started a career in investment banking. I spent, uh, I guess, about 13 years at both City Group and Brookfield. And then about a decade ago, Uh, Earlier in my investment banking career, I'd met a junior analyst. The two of us worked together. He had moved home to the Midwest and and started an entrepreneurial journey of his own, started acquiring nursing home facilities, then building nursing home facilities. And we had kept in touch. And this is, I, I talk a lot about the power of the network and how important it is to keep in touch with people and build relationships. And we kept in touch. And this was long before daily texts and, and, you know, even regular email correspondence, you're talking 2002, three, four, so on and so forth. It it was a slightly less, actually a much less connected world. Anyway, we kept in touch about a decade ago, a little over a decade ago, I decided to take a chance, leave the comfortable world of wall street and, and joined a couple of guys that were in the Midwest that were developing nursing home facilities. And, And then it evolved. It, it, We started on development and then we had a a few assets. We took public, we grew the company, we sold the company and we decided to do it again. About seven years ago, we took a number of the assets that had been developed. We found other assets, used private capital, rolled it up into uh, an IPO, took took the company public and then grew it really fast. So for the first three years of the existence of the company, we were the fastest growing public real estate company in North America, all types of real estate we were acquiring. And that was our strategy. It wasn't acquisition just for acquisition's sake. It wasn't acquisition just for fun, though. I do really enjoy the MA process. It was our strategy. We, we needed to diversify quickly. We needed to reach scale quickly. And, and that's what we did. And here we are seven years later. We have a little over a billion dollar portfolio. We own healthcare-oriented assets around the U.S. and a few in Canada: assisted living, memory care, skilled nursing, medical office buildings. And uh, today, I am chairman and CEO of that public company, and having a lot of fun along the journey.
0: That's a you know, it's what you said there in just a few minutes is remarkable. I mean, and so I first of all, I want to go back to your CPA part. I did almost the exact same thing, so we we were both actually. Uh, Price Cooper. I actually started the Cooper side, uh, Cooper's and Lyman side uh, back in the year, but I did the same thing, to and out. Uh, Reason why I got out was I I realized nobody liked auditors, and um and and so I remember that first time I did an audit, and I remember I ran into well somebody who's now my age and doing accounts payable, and I was this twenty two year old kid straight out of college, and I thought I was doing business assurance. I thought I was helping them out, and I saw this person in her in her face and neck was completely blotched with red because she was so nervous that I was there. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's scared to death of me and she does not like me. <laughs> and so I, eventually after earning my CPA, I did the same thing, bolted out, but I did not go on to go to law school and some of the other things that you have done, which is quite remarkable. So, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later. So now it's interesting. I, I want to talk about just being a public CEO for a little bit because investment banking is one huge, massive challenge, right? Being a publicly uh, CEO of a publicly traded company, that's a whole different part. Tell me about that. I'm just curious on um, being on a publicly traded call and there's pressure, right? There's pressure on hitting your numbers. And and how do you keep your Poise and your confidence on a consistent basis to help hit your numbers, do the right things, and and to um, positively because that's a whole different cycle that's really
1: challenging. Yeah, look, running a public company, I, I often say to people is two roles: one, there's running a business, and then two, completely separate and different is running a public company communicating to the street communicating to investors communicating to research analysts thinking about the implications of where you're going look the bottom line is we run our business to create shareholder value we run our business to um, create value for all of our stakeholders and whatever the messaging is to the street and to others is secondary I, i don't want to say it's unimportant but it's it's that proverbial letting the the what is it the the uh, tail wag the dog, so to speak, you know, to, to do things solely based on how you think the implications are going to be for, for messaging is the wrong way to run a business. So we run our business to create shareholder value. We run a business to look out for the best interests of all of our stakeholders. And then to the extent that we can get that messaging clear and crisp to our stakeholders, that's important. It's, it's, you know, running a public company has it like everything else in life has its pluses and minuses. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a wild ride. Um, but for someone who really just wants to focus on the business, it's not the right role for you. Um, I actually enjoy communicating to the street. I enjoy talking to investors and selling our story. But I would say to anyone that that thinks about you know, are you really in it because you believe so much in your core business? If so, then being a public company really takes time and effort away from that to a certain degree as is, is you have to spend time doing public company things.
0: I appreciate you talking about that. So I I'm, I think the challenge, right, once again, is, is I, I think you said it really well there is you have to run a company and you have to you're in public relations, right? Of of making sure that everyone knows what's taking place and consistently trying to exceed expectations, right? Of whatever expectations you set on a consistent basis. So, um, and that's no easy task. So I appreciate once again, the time you're taking here to be here, because I know that's a big part, but what's fascinating is you've got a whole another life that you are in and involved in. That's actually what I want to spend the most of time today talking about, right? Is there's this concept of the life is too short guy. So What does that mean, Scott? Tell me what the life is too short guy.
1: So The Life is Too Short Guy is a persona that I created over the last couple of years that it tells the story, tells the my philosophy on life. So I, I've long been a super high energy, positive person. I'm, I'm very grateful and happy to have that persona and to be that person. And over the years, I've heard people say to me, wow, it'd be kind of cool if we could package up some of your energy and some of your optimism and, and share it with others. And I, I sort of heard that, but I was like, yeah, maybe someday I'll do motivational speaking or something like that. But I never really connected the dots. And then, you know, I'd say for at least a decade, maybe longer, I've I've talked about someday I want to write a book. These are two separate concepts, by the way. I didn't bring them together. Thank God I have a brilliant wife that brought these together for me. I, I said, someday I'll write a book. And I, it was kind of on that list of to-dos. And then during the pandemic, I started working with a new executive coach. I'm a big believer in constant improvement. I'm a big believer in, in working with professionals to help you better your game. There's so much I could learn. And so the first session I'm with this coach, his name is Kevin and I talk about him in my book. Um, I fill out various assessments. I don't remember what they are, but he's trying to get a sense of who I am and what I'm about. Then the second session, he, he started the call exactly like this. This is how he said it. He's like, dude, you are Mr. Life is Too Short guy. Everything is rah, rah, get it done, positive today. And I'm like, yeah, I think that's right. But I never really thought of it that way. Like it didn't have a, a label. And And that night, which was two years ago, uh, yeah, two years ago, I'd mentioned it to my wife. Like, ah, you know, I met this guy, Kevin today. And he called me the Mr. Life is Too Short guy. And she's like, yeah, I can see that. And then, and then she connected that. She's like, maybe that's your book. And, you know, I'm very grateful. I've been with my wife since high school, but you know, when she says these things, I'm usually like, that's ridiculous. Like wh- wh- what am I going to do with that? Right. And, and but she's you know, much smarter than me and she plants that seed and she waters that seed. And then she asks a couple of weeks later and that got the ball rolling. And and it started in, in 2021. I wrote a short outline early 2021. And then I let it go. Various other things got in the way. It wasn't a top priority for me. And then early in 2022, I set on the journey to write this book, which today is called, um, the life is too short guy strategies to make every day, the best day ever. And it's, It's my goal, hope, expectation to share this philosophy with the world, to empower people to live better, happier lives, to, you know, I say my mission is to make the world happier one smile at a time. And that's what I'm doing through the book. And now through my speaking business, which I'm out speaking to a lot of companies and conferences and so on and so forth, to empower people to, to realize exactly like the title says, life's too short. Like don't waste another minute. Don't waste. It's the. The intersection of urgency and happiness. Be happy and do it today. And and I sort of lay this out throughout the book with a series of principles and stories.
0: I love the philosophy, first of all. You know, I love the philosophy of, of, you know, get it done now, right? So here we have this world that um, is really busy with it, a lot of stuff to keep, take us away from doing great work. Or making great things happen in the world. You know, I'm talking of from Netflix to Instagram, right? To to name your TikTok, whatever it is, like there's so many distractions that end up we follow something as opposed to doing something. Yep. So how do you help people recognize that they can be creators as well and that that they can be doing things as opposed to sitting back and I'm not saying it's bad by the way to, to be doing these things, but Perhaps it can get in get in the way, right? Of of doing the things that we are gifted to do.
1: So um the book and the philosophy is 10 principles. And one of the underlying tenets of the book, one of the underlying goals of the book is to keep it really simple. So this is not. This is not, Carl, an academic book. This is not a book written by uh, academic elites. This is not a philosophical kind of, you know, if you follow this principle, this is right down the middle of the fairway. This is blocking, tackling. This is day-to-day, and it's getting people to think a little bit differently. So let me give you a real example to address your question of, all right, so how do you get people to kind of think about maybe I should get started on this or or chase my dream, so to speak? There are two principles I'm going to refer to. One of them is called minutes matter. And minutes matter is a construct for people to think about time differently. As you said, we're all busy. We're all, uh, you know, time is our most precious commodity. We're not making any more of it. We all have a finite amount of time. And I want people to think about it very deliberately and proactively. What am I doing with my time? I will tell you, Carl, I do not. I do not give people sort of principles of you should spend your minutes reading instead of Netflix. You should spend your minutes with your family instead of, Working—that's your choice. I'm not, no better, no smarter, no uh, whatever the case, more moral than you are at determining how to use your time. What I challenge you, Carl, and your listeners to think about is: Am I actually thinking about how I'm using my time? Am I being deliberate, or am I? How often do we hear ourselves saying? I, I, I was running around all day. I went from meeting to meeting. I had so many calls. I had so many emails. I, I don't even know what I did with today or or I don't know what I did with this week. I didn't know what I did with this month. So instead, think about time this way. I, I love to give this sort of quick math for people. For It's simple math for those that don't really like math. If you're, when you're born, life expectancy plus or minus 80 years. I know we can debate that, but let's just say plus or minus 80 years. 80 years gets you 42 million minutes in your life. As I suspect, expect your audience calls probably not a lot of newborns so i'm just going to reach an assumption that people are about halfway plus or minus some of us a little bit more plus some a little more minus but let's just say you're 40 years old you could adjust the math any way you want at 40 years old you have 21 million minutes left okay invariably you're going to sleep a third of those now you're down to 14 million minutes likely not always but likely as you get later on in life, end of stage of life, final years, you're going to slow down physically and some of your mental faculties. So I'm just going to make a rough assumption, shave off another million or two million minutes. You have 12 million minutes left as a 40-year-old. As a Sounds like an immense amount of time. It's not. And when I tell people in the mental image I give people to think about is a barrel think about a barrel and and this barrel could be any kind of barrel that that is meaningful for you for for me i think about a wine barrel i like to drink wine so i got a wine barrel and in that wine barrel are my remaining minutes i think about those minutes as gold coins a few concepts to think about here one i can't see in the barrel i don't know how many gold coins are in there however i do physically think about i've chosen to join carl today i'm reaching in the barrel and I'm pulling out a couple of gold coins. You've chosen to invite me. I hope you've thought about this is a good use of time for me and my listeners. So I'm going to reach the barrel and grab out a couple of coins. Not only do you not know how many coins are in there, be really careful because a lot of us have a hole in the bottom of the barrel and those coins are dripping out without us thinking about it. So now, with those analogies, and that math, I challenge your listeners to say, how am I using my minutes? How could I be thoughtful? What do I want to accomplish? Set goals and go chase them. And in the book, I give people examples and tools like a goals grid. I give people um, other, other concepts to play around with. So minutes matter is one key principle. The other one is take a chance and get it done today. And take a chance and get it done today is very much focused on, um, I, I think it's more specific to your question of if you're dreaming it, if you're thinking about it, if you've ever thought about it, why not today? Like literally today, as you're listening to this, you're like, you know what, this guy's kind of crazy, but maybe i give it a shot. And maybe I write out and I give people these tools of here are some of the things I've dreamt about, some of the things I want to do. I'm going to circle one or two that I actually want to chase. and I'm going to start an action plan. So for example, I spoke to a group last week and, and someone said to me, I've always wanted to learn to sell. I said, okay, how do we do that? First action plan, we Google for local sailing courses. Second action plan, we look to see where you could actually physically sail. You know, if you're living in in the Midwest in a landlocked state, it may be challenging to sail. This person was actually based on the East Coast, so it was fine. Let's make a plan and think about it. And, And the point that I emphasize here is not only to take a chance but get it done today. And I I capitalize sort of today because too often we find the excuses of why not. I'd like to, but I was going to, but I've thought about, but in the book I refer to, and I don't refer to a lot of studies, but I do refer to a book written by an Australian palliative care nurse called the five myths, uh, the five regrets. I'm sorry, the five regrets of the dying. And in it, she talks about those regrets we all have on our deathbed or those that she's worked with. And the key takeaway, you don't have to know all the regrets. You don't have to read the whole book. In fact, I'll save you a lot of time. The biggest regret of the dying is the regret of what I didn't do. And most people are surprised by that. It's not the regret of something really dumb I did. It's not the regret of something I wish I didn't say. It's not the regret. It's, it's, it's so many things that you would imagine. It's the regret of what I didn't do. Here I am in my final days and my final minutes. I always wanted to X. And for the following 26 reasons, I didn't. That's the challenge I give people. One, take a chance, get it done today. Minutes matter. Two of the 10 principles of Litzig or life is too short guy that I talk about.
0: When you're talking about that, there was a comedian I recently heard that made this comment. And I basically he made this assumption that you're in your 50s, sort of very similar to what you just said. Okay, you're 40s or 50s. And let's just say for argument's sake, 70 is the point for many of us where there'd be some diminishing returns in our ability. I'm not saying it's for all, right? right. You know, some, some people continue to go on. I know somebody who's up to hundred years old was was chopping wood, right? It happens. However, once again, using the averages, using the concepts around that. So if you think about it, let's say you're 50 and 70 is, is the point of where you, you have a high degree of confidence, you'll be fine. That's only 20 summers left. Right, like that's not that many in the big scheme of things, right? If you that's that's less than the half of that they've already had, right? And so that same concept is well, what about that fall? What about that Christmas? Right about that whatever you celebrate, it's so These true. are limited period of time, and and I love the concept too. You talked about these gold coins, right? I never thought about it that way, right? These are actually precious gold coins that you have giving and taking away right from others. So I'm curious let me let me flip that around this concept of there is an importance of how you're taking time with others on this right if you had that same concept about yourself so how has that changed your mindset in in making sure other people's time is precious
1: uh what do you mean
0: by that what i mean by that is you recognize for yourself how important time is. Yep. Now you're working with somebody else, right? And somebody the other a meeting or or an encounter or something like that. How are you making sure that their time with you is the best time that they're they've
1: spent? Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So I'd say a few things. One, everyone has to make their own choice on, on you know, if they're choosing to spend time with me, then hopefully they're making a proactive choice that it's it's good and valuable time. Two. I, I think it depends really on the context. You know, in a, in a business setting, I give people a substantial amount of flexibility to run their own business, to make their own choices and decisions. I don't think it's a good use of people's time, nor is it a good way to run a business that they're checking with you every 10 minutes to tell you they've done this, that, or the other thing. So I'd say that from a business perspective, I, I give people a lot of flexibility. From a personal perspective, I try to make life fun, interesting, exciting, energizing. I talk before, I'm super high energy and positive. And and I want to have that impact on those around me. I think we, to a certain degree, become a reflection of the people we hang out with. So I wanna give back more to the world than I'm taking out. And I do that in part by motivating and inspiring people. I would love, love if somebody hears this call and shoots me an email or sends me some sort of note afterwards that I, I heard what you were talking about and I've done the following one, two, three things. I'm starting to get those you know the book came out in january i started a speaking tour in uh, march or april so it's relatively new but i have dozens of texts and emails and uh messages on facebook and otherwise of people that have i'll just give you some examples Uh, Someone that bought the book for their mother after their father recently passed. So this happened very recently. Father passed and said, I want my mother to read your book because it had such an impact on me. Someone who got on a plane to go visit their mother that they hadn't done in years after having read my book. Someone that decided they would think about or they'd start writing a screenplay, something they always wanted to do and never really moved to do. Someone who said they were going to join their church choir. I mean, I can go on with this list for a long time. That's how I'm trying to impact people and that's how I'm hoping now to answer your your question specifically that time spent with me either in person or through any of the media channels has a positive impact on everyone that I touch.
0: I love that, that people who are reading or listening to your stories are already taking action. I mean, that must be, that must feel, how does that feel for you?
1: It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I, I couldn't have imagine this, you know, when I, when I set off on this book journey, it was a goal of writing a book and I wasn't sure where it was going to go, what the impact was going to be. And I would say some of the biggest pleasant surprises for me are one, I'm hearing from people that I haven't heard from in 20 or more years that, you know, it's just a great way to say, oh, I see you wrote a book. They reach out. But two, knowing that I'm having a positive impact on people. I I mean, somebody said this to me recently and it really, it, it shook me and resonated with me in that, you're, you, you, Scott, have said you're having an amazing impact on all these people that are reaching out to you. What about all the others that aren't reaching out to you and you'll never know? And for that matter, your book will last an eternity. You may have a positive impact on somebody 25 years from now. That you'll never meet and you can't fathom in 2023, and that's amazing. That's what inspires and motivates me, and and that is a big passion for me right now. One of the other principles in the book I talk about is passion. Find your passion and live your passion. This is my passion.
0: Love it how you're creating a legacy right now, right? You know that's what a lot of us right are. Our, our, we want to have a life purpose that it can be remembered beyond. You know, beyond just our family, beyond just our business, that goes for, further beyond. You're actually creating that, and it's, it's fascinating. You never know, right, where the, the where the wind will take the seeds, right, and and it'll be planted somewhere. And the next thing you know, it plants an incredible tree, right, of success, if you may. And, and this could happen in people's lives, right, where all of a sudden these stories, these concepts, these ideas, and it could be incredibly awesome. Super uh, happy for them. Let's talk about the passion piece because that is such a huge part, right? Of doing it. It's talked about so many times, do the things you love, if you may, right? Find your passion. But there are so many people out there like they don't know what that is. They're stuck, right? So what guidance do you give for somebody when they're stuck finding, quote, unquote, their
1: passion? So the principle is literally called passion and You know, a lot of people talk about purpose. I think purpose is overused. Um, I like passion. And I say to people, I have, look, I've interviewed hundreds, maybe thousands. We'll go with hundreds of people over the years at all levels. Entry-level analysts, interns, assistants, C-suite executives, board members. And I always ask the same question. What's your passion? And it is amazing to me. I'm guessing 60 to 70% of people are like, what do you mean? Like personal or professional? And I'm like, that's the point. When I say what's your passion, you should know what it is right away. So now your question is, okay, well, what if people can't answer that question? I tell them to self-reflect. One, passions change. So whatever your passion was last week may not be the same this week. I'm not suggesting they change daily, but our passions evolve over the course of our life. What gets you fired up? I think passion is more than a hobby. It's more than an interest. Like we've all had those interview questions. Uh, too, so what do you like to do for fun? Boring, right? What do you like to do with fun? Isn't the same as passion. What's your passion? Should should get a um a fire in your belly, a spark in your eye to be like, wow, once you start me, you can't stop me. And look, for me, right now, it's the book, it's the life is too short guy. And once you start me, like you're gonna have a hard time ending this podcast, Carl, because I'm just gonna keep going and going and going. And I love talking about it. I get fired up. So I tell people, look in the mirror, think about. What gets you excited? What do you read about? What do you look for when you're you're playing around or surfing the web? What, what interest groups do you hang with? Who do you like to talk to and why? And your passion could be anything. I mean, your passion could be sports. Your passion could be a hobby. Your passion could be your friend. Your passion could be your family. Your passion could be exercise. Your passion could, I mean, I can go through passions all day. We each have to figure out what our passion is and spend our time there. Spend Again, now I'm going to link the two, passion and minutes matter. Why spend those precious minutes doing things you don't love? Now, look, invariably, we all have to do some things we, we don't love. That's part of life. I don't love going to the dentist. It's part of, of what I what we have to do to stay healthy, so on and so forth. But if you could allocate more of those minutes away from, you know, I say, is this your passion? Yeah, you know, it's it's eh, I guess I kind of like it. To so, yes, I love it. I'm excited about it, I'm fired up. Look. You can't always have your passion in everything you do, and you can't always have a job. You're passionate about it. That's the reality. That's that's unfortunate part of life. I would encourage you to think about how you move yourself to a situation where over time, it may not be your passion today, but am I positioning myself through my goals, through my learning, another one of the principles, learn, 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 to move to a passionate role, to move to a passionate place in my life?
0: I love the concept that you talked about there. It's one of the reasons we, we use StrengthsFinder consensually, because when, when people could find out what their strengths are, right? Because the data is really, and this is data-driven stuff, God. Like I know you said this is more of a, uh, a story and principles that you're talking about, but there's data that's really clear when you're doing the things that you are most talented at, you're going to be four to six times happier you know, oh, yeah. in, in, in regards to your life and your impact input that you're going to have in your work and your environment and your family around it, it's really powerful. And so this is not a small thing to think about. And sometimes you could be in this, you could be the right company, but you might not be the right seat in the bus. Agreed. Agreed.
1: agreed, agreed. Right.
0: You know? And so if you can help be aware, right. Be mindful of those parts and talk about it with your manager or owner, or if you're the owner itself, right. Of Maybe there's something I should be doing better because there might be a reason you're, quote unquote, the word I hate the most, which is I'm bored, right? Yep. Of this, you know, that's probably, probably grates on your soul too, right? When you hear somebody that, that they're, they're bored of something, but that's where passion, it should overcome boredom every time.
1: Absolutely. A hundred percent agree.
0: What is a, when somebody goes down this path and they're struggling to adopt it, right? They're struggling with this concept of, ah, oh, I got plenty of time. Okay. And and you've already brought some thing of the coins and different things. What is something else that triggers people that they're surprised when you're talking with them? They're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't understand that. I didn't get that. And it ends up becoming a very inspiring message to them for them.
1: So I'd say the biggest surprise that people get, and and one of my biggest messages, which is what I said at the beginning, is These are simple, practical tools. So it's not about changing your entire life philosophy. It's not about, all right, well, today I'm um, Carl and tomorrow I'm going to be Carl plus. That's not it. These are incremental, small steps. I lay out 10 principles, right? And you may look at two or three of those. Like you just said, minutes matter. I can't get my arms around that. That's fine. Let it go. There's another nine principles. And maybe Amongst those nine, one of them is uh, learn, learn, learn. Yeah, you know, that's just not for me. Okay, now we're down to eight. Within each of the eight, or nine or 10 or whatever, there are simple tools. Let me let me give you one of the simplest ones that whenever I talk about it, I, 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 I get the sense people are like, yeah, I don't know, is that really going to matter? And then and then, and I could share these emails with you if you want to audit me, since we are both auditors. I hear from people for weeks afterwards, you know, when you said it, it didn't, like, I wasn't sure I bought in, but I've been doing it. It's fantastic. Watch this. You ready? This is the simplest thing. What was your first thought when you woke up this morning, Carl?
0: That's a great question for me. It was, I, I, I need to get up and uh,
1: go to the pool. Okay. So you answered it the way I'd say... F- 50 to 60% of people do. And they put on, and, and I do this deliberately, I, I say they put on those kind of blurry glasses there. You know, it's it's Monday and I'm going to the pool. Okay, great. And, and most people answer that way. Unfortunately, it was probably about a third of people that grab their muddy glasses. And I'll look over here to the muddy side and they're tired. It's Monday. I don't feel like going to the pool. I got a long day ahead. I have to meet so-and-so. Oh my God, I forgot I have this dinner. My mom's coming to town. Oh God, I don't want to get out of bed. Why do that? Why not be amongst and and this is all in, in my own observations. I can't back this up with empirical evidence. Um, but as, as Henry Ford said, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. Why not grab those beautiful clear glasses? And when I woke up this morning, I literally was like, "It's Monday." I, I had an amazing weekend. Both my daughters are home. One of them is is at college. One is going to college. I have an opportunity to talk to Carl and and his team today this afternoon. I'm actually donating blood. Like all this happened in the first 15 seconds, proactively, I opened my eyes. I didn't actually grab the glass, but I was like, it's Monday. It's a great day. What a weekend. What an opportunity I had. Bam. And when I say this to a lot of people, they're like, all right, fine. So you, you open your eyes and you you think about all the good things. All right. I, I got it. But if you actually do it, it sets the tone. It creates a roadmap for then you get out of bed and yeah, you're like, hmm, this coffee is pretty good coffee. And then you 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 go to the pool and you're like, wow, I had a good workout. Now look, I'd be foolish to think that if I told you that you wake up and you have this kind of, yes, it's going to be a great day and everything's going to work out because that's not true, right? The reality is you're going to get up, you're going to be fired up. You're going to get in your car. You're going to back into your garage without remembering to open it. And you're like, Oh, what a miserable day. However, why not set yourself on that proactive path instead of the, I think I got to go to the pool today or the, Oh my God, I don't want to go to the pool today. It is cold and dark. And I'm not going to do that. I can't believe I have the opportunity to go to the pool today. I'm going to have an unbelievable workout. Seems so simple, right? It's a little tool. And this is what surprises people is if you try to implement this, I guarantee you, guarantee you, you're going to notice a positive change in your attitude, your perspective. You'll smile more. You'll enjoy life more. Why not? It's such a simple thing, right? I haven't changed the way you go about your entire life or your whole life philosophy. You do that one little thing and let's circle back in a week or two and tell me if you notice a difference
0: you nailed it. And I think once again, the explanation point on that is if you can the night before, right. Make things. So it becomes a habit. Yep. Like I had everything lined up ready to get to the pool. My bags Mm -hmm. are all prepared. You know, I had, had the concept. I was ready to go. Cause if I didn't, I wouldn't have made it. Cause by the way, I've had that issue where I haven't made it, you know, to be that workout. Cause by the way, I don't like swimming. This is like a new thing for me. And it, but it's, It's I am so much happier today that I got, it's super hard to swim, especially when I'm not a swimmer. Right. And, but man, the workout that is, but once again, I had to pre-habitualize, right. These efforts, right. Make it as easy as possible because the easy thing is to hit the snooze button and, and to take 10 more minutes or nine more minutes of sleep. Right. Right. You know, versus get up get out and, and to do something, to get something done. And think about the perspective for me. Yeah, think about the perspective. It's
1: not about just going to the pool. It's like it's going to be an amazing day in the pool. I am so happy and grateful. I have the ability to go to a pool. That I that I have the physical wherewithal. I have the financial wherewithal. This is awesome. That's right. That's right.
0: Okay, so this is going to be an interesting question because you might. I don't know how you want to answer this, but let's do it in terms of the life is too short guy. Okay. How do you measure success?
1: So for me, I measure success uh, through a lot of lenses. Through the life is too short guy lens, I would say the ability to spread this message. There's, there's not a doubt in my mind that I am getting the most uh, positive feedback, the most psychological feedback, the most, uh, the happiest I am is sharing this message. Like I'm fired up to talk to you right now. You probably couldn't tell that, Carl, but I'm fired up to talk to you right now. And I'm excited you invited me on. This isn't like a to-do on my list. This isn't so, like, this is awesome. And if you want to do it again tomorrow, I'll, I'll, I'll make myself available tomorrow because I love spreading this message. So for me, the more people I can touch um, in a positive way is how I'll define success through the lens of the life is too short guy. Love it.
0: Love it. And how do you, I'm kind of curious so that's the effort you're doing out. And is it the outcomes, these these emails, these messages, yeah. this feedback? Is that that how you're also going to measure it?
1: it? It is. And and it's what I said before that I hadn't even thought about, the immeasurable people that I will never meet, that I'll never know, that I've changed their life. And I'd like to believe that that's going to grow. I'd like to believe there's a ripple effect. The book's been out three, four months. I'd like to believe in three, four years, I'll, I'll impact hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people dream big, right? If you dream small, you accomplish those goals too easily, dream big. I hope to, to impact millions of people, not just in the US and around the world. I hope to get out and and tell this message, tell this story, be on podcast, uh, do lectures and, and workshops and so on and so forth and impact people's lives. You know, I, I was telling you last Friday, I did a workshop, it was a two-hour workshop. And the number of people that came over afterwards and said, you know, you, you got me thinking, I'm one guy said to me, I love this. This was awesome. He's like, uh, so one of my messages, one of the principles is can't make it alone, right? So there's 10 principles. We've talked about a few of them. One of them is you can't make it alone. There is a lot of evidence that we live in an interconnected society. We need other people, period, full stop. We, our social interactions are so important. So a gentleman comes up to me at, at one of the breaks and he said to me, I don't want you to think I was being disrespectful. Yeah, I was texting while you were talking. And I did that because after hearing you talk about the power of social networks, I hopped on and I created a bowling group for tonight, for tonight. This was Friday. He's like, I, I texted my girlfriend. I texted a couple of our friends and we're going to bowl because you imparted on me, invest time in relationships. Don't just, you know, one of the things I talk about, and I'm going different directions here is we have nutritional plans. We have exercise plans. How often do we have social plans? How often do we actually have a proactive, I want to build my network, I want to strengthen. It's not just about the size of of how many friends you have. I want to strengthen my network. Well, when was the last time you just picked up the phone or sent a text randomly? Hey, Carl, how are you? What's up? How could I be helpful? So this, this gentleman said to me, while you were talking, after you inspired me, I created a bowling night tonight. Bam.
0: I love it. So I'm curious about your habits. What do you do on a consistent basis to do what you do? I mean, because you are, you accomplish so much. It's been, it's awesome. I love you getting me motivated, listening to you. What habits you consistently do to make sure that you have that right, right attitude, getting
1: up each day, et cetera. So I I'd say two things that are two keys from the messaging. One is I, I live with a sense of urgency, like now, like right now. It's it's when I'm done with this, it's it's on to whatever can get done. Why wait for tomorrow? Because tomorrow's not guaranteed. So there's a constant sense of urgency. Um, and there's so much focus on attitude. Like I no matter what facts you throw at me, and I, I talk about this in the book, like we we all have setbacks, right? So one of the things I heard from people early on when I was writing this book, some of the editorial feedback I got is, you know, Scott, you, you what? However, you define privileged, and each person could decide that own, You're not a homeless person. You're not from a, a discriminated group. Whatever. You, you get the point. And I say to people, so much is so happiness and gratefulness is a relative scale, not an absolute scale. And I'm constantly looking for ways to up my game with whatever facts I've been presented. I've had plenty of setbacks. And in the book, I talk about both my parents are are deceased. I lost both my parents at, at somewhat young ages. Um, I talk about my father had a heart attack at 10 years old. I opened the book up with that, how I experienced living with, with, you know, as I grew up, I I was always afraid I was going to lose my dad. And I've had these setbacks, yet I find constant ways to thrive, to smile, to enjoy life, to be happy. I I even got into a debate with somebody this past weekend, somebody that tends to be a little bit more negative. And, and she kept saying, yeah, but you don't understand. And I kept saying, no, you don't understand because you have the ability to speak. You have the ability to sit here. You have the ability to debate. You have the ability to enjoy this dinner. You have the ability, like, I, no matter what you throw at me and no matter how bad your life is, I will find happiness and positivity. And that's what I'm encouraging people to do because you could do it too.
0: Love it. Love it, Scott. That is really good insights. And the great attitude. Once again, I love it how you you know you're the happiest guy you ever meet, and so that is. Uh, but it's infectious, right? You know, it truly is, right? When we smile and we have positive aspects, right? Versus the the negative. I mean, if 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 you're in the US, you happen to be in the U.S. living in this, you know, most of us are in the top one to two percent of, yeah. regardless, right, of what we have in terms of what we have, right? And and it, uh, compared to the rest of the world, I mean, we're so have so much to be grateful for on a regular basis, there are just things that we could be happy about, even if we're not the CEO of a company, right? Even if we're, oh, yeah. you know, doing different, different areas about it, we, we can find the joy and, and then, you know, hopefully have the opportunity to pursue what we think is going to be going to make a difference in the world. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. So what is a book that's not your book? Of course, we want people to, of course, go out and buy the life is too short guy. What is a book that inspired you that you would like to also share with others?
1: Oh, there's so many. Um, Yeah, I'll go with the one I just recently read because I I only remember about two days back, uh, but there's so many. I just finished The Gap in the Game which is is a great book that has similar principles. Stop looking uh, kind of, you know, one of the things I talk about in, in my book is that we, we're on this hedonic treadmill where we're constantly working really hard to try to find success to be happy. And the reality is we never actually find that ultimate success because we just keep pushing the goalposts. So, why not start by being happy? And Sean Acor in The Happiness Advantage talks about this. Another great book, by the way. I'm a huge fan of of Sean Acor and The Happiness Advantage. Start with happiness, which creates hard work, which then defines success. In The Gap in the Game, they also talk about we often think about ourselves in terms of we're reaching for this goal and we haven't gotten there instead of looking back and saying, wow, look how far I've come today. Look how far I've come this month. Look how far, look at those gains instead of the constant gaps. That, I just finished that book last week and I thought it was pretty compelling.
0: I think you touched on something really important there. It's that, you know, we'll never get perfection. No. We'll never exactly finish the race, meaning like measure that success exactly the way we want. But if we aren't enjoying that journey to get there, we have to remeasure how we're measuring success Agreed. right because Agreed. it's it's we will never be perfect it's just Agreed. period you know yeah you might have an opportunity for example to do to bowl a 300 game as you mentioned in 3 but we're not going to bowl a 300 game every single time even the professionals right. don't do that right and and so there is that, that process of just understanding of, of enjoying. And that's why I always love the question. How do you measure success? Right. You know, because it's such a fascinating question, you know, and hopefully people can get to where their success, what matters to them. Agreed. Scott, how can people connect and learn more about you?
1: So the easiest way is to go to the website. Um the website is the lifeistoshortguy.com, life is too short dot com. You could email me at Scott at scottewhite.com. If you go to the website, you'll see all the social media contacts. Um, And if you're looking for the book, feel free to to check it out on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, or at your local book retailer. The the book is called The Life is Too Short Guy, Strategies to Make Every Day the Best Day Ever. And um, I'm also out speaking, so you may be able to see me speak somewhere or if your company organization is looking for someone to spread this happiness, you know, definitely reach out.
0: Scott, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Measure podcast
1: today. Thank you so much, Carl. It really was a lot of fun. I, I hope your listeners enjoy it as much as, as I did, and I think you did as well.
0: Absolutely. This has been tremendous. And as we always like to say, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, we just encourage you to go out and to uh rate it and 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 say how much you enjoyed it. This is how we continue to get incredible guests like Scott to be on the Measure podcast is because of how you're driving and and frankly, helping to force me to help make the show to be better and better because all the additional listeners were getting on a consistent basis. So thank you so much for that. And as we always like to say, wishing you the very best at measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.